Welcome. We're glad to have you here. We're going to talk about marriages one last time. Uh, you know, again, uh, my daughter got married a week ago right here. It's been an interesting week for marriage all the way around. Uh, here's a picture of Rachel and me at the altar. It was awesome. She looked beautiful. I just wanted to show you that. Rachel was two years old when we moved to this lo- you know, when we moved to this church. So this is all that she's ever known, and it was fun for us to share together as a family. Um, my favorite part of the whole deal was doing the YMCA with the British groomsmen who had no idea what it was really all about. I could, uh, I could talk about it all day, but I actually decided, you know what? I said to my daughter and her new husband the things that I would want to say to my daughter and her new husband on their wedding day, and that's probably the things that I would want to say. If I had one more shot to say something to you about your marriages, it would probably be the same thing. So I'm going to play little snippets of the wedding ceremony during this sermon today, and here's the first one. Who gives this woman in marriage to this man? Her mother and I. Mowage. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Is what brings us together. But I have to admit that God had a hand in it also. The reason that uh, Rachel and Ash ever got together in the first place had to do with the providence of God. When I found out that my friend's daughter was starting this campus ministry in Birmingham, England, I felt the shove of God saying, you know, Rachel really ought to go do this. Rachel would love this. And it took Rachel about two seconds to pray about it and decide that she wanted to go uh, to this campus ministry. And we started working on logistics and wondering and praying about how this 20-year-old girl from a pretty sheltered life was going to go to this party campus in Europe and go play gigs and learn to drink beer and... and (laughs) some way try to figure out how to share the love of Jesus with people that she didn't yet know. It was a step of faith for all of us. And then the question of, you know, whom will she meet when she's there? Could the tonight I met the boy I'm going to marry boy be there? And I said publicly, some of you will remember that one of my fears in sending my daughters around the world would be that my grandkids would end up very far away from me and have funny accents. So how about Chicago meets Nashville meets the U.K.? That'll be great, won't it? My fears of Rachel meeting a boy in England were greatly diminished, however, when she ended up losing one of her front teeth before she went over there. Um, Ended up looking like one of my mom's relatives from Arkansas. and, And so... But I forgot she was going to the U.K. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. Uh, it was fun, and I'll show you some more along the way. It's been a fascinating week to think about marriage all the way around. I mean, my daughter gets married. 
Uh, we had 410 people here yesterday for the Parrot Seminar on marriage. It was phenomenal. Uh, the same week, the state of Illinois decided to start recognizing civil unions between same-sex partners. The same week that most major news stations had something of a report about the new Census Bureau data that came out that said that for the first time in American history, less than half of the households in America are made up of married couples. So the whole marriage thing has just been all up in the air and everybody's been talking about it. And Cameron Diaz says it's not a viable institution anymore. And, you know, if Cameron says it, I believe it. And that settles it, right? And so we're all talking about this. I mean, 39% of Americans say that marriage is becoming obsolete. That's up from 28% 30 years ago. So our, our attitudes are changing about this. So I would have to ask myself this question. What does the Bible say? What does God say about marriage? And four times in the Bible, this same phrase is quoted. Started with Moses, then Jesus, then Paul. It says this, A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's God's idea of marriage, what marriage is supposed to be. The Bible says it's a sacred institution. The book of Hebrews says marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. So, so, so Cameron... Or, you know, or God. You've got to decide which way it's going to be. The Bible says that marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman that you make for a lifetime, that you leave your father and mother and you're united to your wife and you become one flesh. That's what the Bible says. You see, the only way to invite the blessing of God into the relationship is to invite the blessing of God into the relationship. And it really is the only thing that makes sense. Back to the video. You're making a covenant in front of God today, Rachel and Ash. Uh, you're bringing God into this relationship, which makes this, in a non-weird way, a love triangle. You're uh, stating your vows. You're committing to love each other until death do you part. But you're also going to commit yourselves to God in this relationship. Rachel, uh, when you were eight years old, I remember you doing that, making that commitment. In this church, in its previous location, making a public commitment to follow Jesus and be baptized. And it was one of my proudest days, just like this one. And Ash, many in this room, especially on the stage, remember and witnessed in photos when uh, you made a commitment to Christ and Rachel flew over to England to baptize you in a river in Wales, which had to feel a little bit like the Cub game that we were at on Wednesday night, cold and wet. And yes, we were at a Cub game. And who knew at that moment that someday the two of you would be standing before me uh, and God and these witnesses making that commitment again to our Heavenly Father. And I would like to say that I think this is the smartest thing that you could ever do because entering into this triangle with God is not uh, really about what you're going to do for God, even though I look forward to that incredible story someday, what God is able to do through the two of you. Entering into this triangle with God is about bringing God into your marriage and, uh, and what He can do for you. And this is a hard day for your earthly moms and dads, obviously, as we let you go. And I I know you and I are going to dance to a song later that says, I will be here, and that will be true in all ways in some form or another. But the truth is that you were never really our children in the first place. You've always been God's. You were always his children. We're all his children, and we can all be his children if we're adopted into his family. That's why Jesus came, to pay the price for our sins. And as much as the human commitment I made as an earthly father was, was true... And as much as the human commitment that you're going to make to each other right now is true, our love for each other will always be imperfect. 
But God's love is never imperfect. He demonstrated by giving us his son, and it is never going to fall short. He is your true father. I love the way the prophet Zephaniah put it in the Old Testament. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The added benefit of this relationship with God as your father and helping you in this relationship is that if you're at both corners of the relationship, as you get closer to God, you will get closer to each other. And the more blessed this union will be. And the reason this marriage is going to work for both of you, and we all have faith that it is, is because you're pledging your lives to each other as each other's number two. Um, our love songs make it sound like we're always looking for the right one. I just need that someone to complete me. But I can tell you after 27 years of marriage to the most nearly perfect woman in the world that even at that, there's no way she can be my number one. And way more for her could I not be. So Ash and Rachel, never forget that your partner is never going to be the one to give you all the love that you need. That relationship has always already been taken care of. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We've joked a lot around here about this being the second royal wedding. Here is the picture again, just in case you wanted to see it. And the truth is, my friends, this is a royal wedding. I don't know why the fascination with the Ural royal wedding was so big over here in the first place, but it was. And I think it's because people were looking for that happily ever after thing, and they're looking for hope and hope and love and, and hoping that they could find it somewhere. And maybe because they're royalty and maybe because they have all these advantages that that would make their love make it. And I'm here to tell you, Rachel and Ash, that we have the same hope for you. Except that we know that you have more than money or fame to give you hope. You are not sons and daughters of the kings of the queens of the earth. You are the sons and daughters of the king of the universe. So we do not have a fairy tale dream for you. We have a no doubt your love will never fail dream for you. That's the difference between... Uh, yeah, thank you. And I do for you too. I do for you, too. That's the difference between a God-ordained marriage and a convenient cohabitation right there. And if that's not what you've got, then you can have it today, okay? As a matter of fact, I, I, I need somebody to help me illustrate something for just a second. I need, a, like, a dating couple, not married yet. Are you guys dating? Would you, get, would you just come up for a second? Um, I, just, I, just, I just need you to help me, help me with this. Yeah, give them a mic. Um, this is... Uh, Rick and Elena, take it away, Rick. Elena, I love you unconditionally and self-sacrificially the way that Christ loves his church. (laughs) Will you marry me? (laughs) Yes. You better say yes. Congratulations, man. Congratulations, you guys. You may kiss the fiance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys. Awesome. I'm sorry I set you up I like, like that. <laughs> you can sit. Thanks. Um, I set her up, but yeah, that was real, and he really did just propose to her. Um, 
It just seemed appropriate, doesn't it, in the middle of this? Really, because the, here's the deal, Rick and Alana. Uh, the, the deal is the, uh, the, the way that marriage works is the same way everything works in our spiritual life. You love God and you love each other. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. What's the second greatest commandment? Love each other. As you love God, you love each other. That's what I was telling Rachel and Ash. That's what I'm telling you. That's how it's supposed to work. You love God, you love each other. It's easy if they're perfect. Let me see the dolls, okay? If they're, these are the perfect. I don't know if you've seen the... The perfect man and woman dolls. Have you seen these yet? Okay. You know, I think it's really important that we talk about our relationship. Yeah, that's a perfect man. Let's just cuddle tonight. Mm, you look so beautiful in the morning. <laughs> no, you don't look at all fat in that dress. How could anything make you look fat? No, of course not. Oh, can't your mother stay another week? See, that's not that's not realistic. Is it? Okay, well, how about the perfect woman? Don't feel bad, honey. I forgot it was our anniversary, too. <laughs> You're going out with the boys tonight? You work so hard. Enjoy yourself. You're right. We don't need directions. Maybe you'll find a shortcut. <laughs> don't worry about taking the trash out. I can use the exercise. <laughs> it really doesn't matter if you leave the toilet seat up. It makes it easier to clean. <laughs> okay, right? Not realistic. You're not married to that person. You guys, you're not going to be married to that person. You're married to an imperfect person. So how do you make a good marriage? They asked the world, and they said, how do you make a good marriage? And the number one answer, 90% of the people said, being in love. And then they asked, what is being in love? And there was not one common answer between all of those. Because the world doesn't know the definition of love. But God gives us a definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And you've probably heard it before, so I'm going to read it out of a message paraphrase because it will make it a little bit different. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but it keeps going till the end. Love never fails. None of those qualities are based on a feeling, are they? They're all based on a commitment. They're all based on a no matter what kind of love. As a matter of fact, there's a song on the radio right now that is the perfect example of love. I'd catch a grenade for ya. Throw my hand on a blade for ya. I see you know it. That was a pretty good impression, wasn't it? And then what does he say? His complaint is, but you won't do the same. Guess what that's called? Love. That's called love, baby. That's what God did for us. He loved us when we could not love Him back. Look at the qualities in there. I don't always feel like being patient in my marriage. But love is patient. I feel like keeping a record of wrongs sometimes. But love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's the opposite of what we believe that it ought to be. Counselor Paul Tournier said that marriage is a total, definite, unreserved, personal, and unchangeable commitment. Whenever I do a wedding, I usually read Numbers 30. 
It's an Old Testament passage that talks about the importance of the vow. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but he must do everything he said. He must not break his word. He must build it on a covenant, on a promise, on a commitment. Until you throw divorce out as an option, it's never going to work. We've been married for 27 years. We've never talked about divorce. Murder, but not divorce, ever. (laughs) Because the longevity of love and the health of your marriage does not depend on how attracted you were to them at the beginning. It doesn't depend on how attracted you guys are, Rick and Elena. It doesn't depend on Rachel and Ash and their beautiful young love. And it doesn't depend on how attracted you are 27 years later or 50 years later or whatever. It depends on your commitment. I don't care what Hollywood says. I'm really tired of the fairy tales. Listen, this is the most important thing I'm going to say all day, so pay attention. Fairy tales are based on Finding the right person. But love is based on being the right person. Fairy tales are based on finding the right person, but true love is really about being the right person. Rachel's wedding was beautiful. I mean, I can't thank you enough for being such a great church to be a part of and and being able to watch that and watch young love together. But do you know what's better than young love? Old love. One writer put it this way, it's the spectacle of an old man and an old woman finishing their journey together on that path. Their hands are gnarled but still clasped. Their faces are seamed but still radiant. Their hearts are physically bowed and tired but still strong with love and devotion for one another. Yeah, there's something more beautiful than young love. It's old love. We watched it. If you were at the wedding, you saw it happen. Both my parents and my wife's parents have been married over 50 years. It's an incredible legacy, and they're both still alive, and they were both able to come down the aisle. But the picture of love was my father-in-law pushing my mother-in-law down the aisle in a wheelchair because she has Parkinson's disease, and she has some back issues. She's having another surgery this week, and she couldn't physically walk down the aisle. That, my friends, that was the picture of love. We also saw it in the strangest of all places this year on American Idol. Uh, Chris Medina, uh, who is from our area, was on, and they started playing the story about what had happened in his life and his engagement to Juliana and her car accident. In case you've been living in a cave, I'll show you a very brief clip, and then we're going to welcome Chris out. Juliana and I, we have been together for eight years. We've been engaged for two, going on three. She says, wake up. You know, after we got engaged, we kind of made it a a promise to get married two years after the engagement. But on October 2nd, 2009, she uh, she got into an accident. Everything changed. We're still not married. She suffered a traumatic brain injury. Even though the doctors were saying that she wasn't going to make it, I believed 100% that she was going to. When a heart breaks, no, it don't break even, no. Oh, nice, nice. Go get your girlfriend. You got to bring her back and introduce us to her. We got to meet her. Oh, my God. Yeah, please. Hello. I'm Randy. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm Jennifer Jennifer Lopez. Nice to meet you. Hi, girl. (laughs) Steven Tyler. I just heard your fiancé sing, and he's so good. You know, because he sings you all the time. I could tell. I love that. That's that's why he sings so good, because he sings to you. Mm. Disgusting when you went out to get her. Dude, you going to Hollywood? (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood 
I love that she had the golden ticket on the way out, man. Yeah. And, and I love that Steven Tyler has a soul. Uh, just, <laughs> nobody, nobody knew that, did they? No, I was pretty shocked myself. <laughs> um, tell us why. why. Why did you decide um, after Juliana's accident, you know, you weren't, you're not even married. You weren't married. You're engaged. Why did you decide to honor your commitment? Why not just walk away and say, well, I, I need to find somebody that can be there for me? Um, it's exactly for that reason. You know, if I'm, I found someone who would be there for me and she, if I was in that situation, I felt that she would do the same thing. Um, when I proposed to her, I pretty much thought, Hey, let's go on this journey together. I decided that I'm like, Hey, you know, let's have kids. You're going to be the better half of me. You're going to be that puzzle piece that kind of fits perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm flawed. She's flawed, but together we're perfect. And I kind of felt that, I don't know, just she needed me so bad at that moment. She needed me so bad. And I just felt that that all those vows would be lies. And even though I wasn't in a church saying it under God, he knows everything. You made he, a commitment. He heard. Yeah. You know, when I got down on my knee, he heard. So it was, you know, her whole family heard. I, I meant it when I said it, so... Well, did you ever think about walking away since then? No, no. It, you know, we, her mother and I had a discussion uh, in the basement of a hospital, and she was worried. You know, she's like, she's like I'm worried that it's not going to turn out the way you wanted, and you can go if you need to go. Sure. And I won't, I won't blame you. I'll understand. Yeah. And I said, I, before Juliana, I never wanted anything other than to play music and to being a band, and that was it. But when I met her... Everything changed. All of it changed. I wanted to start a family and have my own business. And mm. So without her, all, I would just kind of slip back into nothing, really. Yeah, your own she kind of, Yeah, just kind of just doing my own thing. And she helped me rise from the darkness. And I just feel that I, feel that I, didn't, I couldn't leave. I didn't want to leave. I, it didn't even enter my, my brain. You know, I felt like she needed me more than ever. Well, she did. She does. I show the tat. I think the ink is good. Juliana's name on it right there. Yeah, I got that in Vegas. <laughs> Sweet. I see the dice. Yes. Um, it was a good decision, though. <laughs> yeah. It was for. It was actually during American Idol. Um, we were staying at the Mirage, I think it was. Yeah. And. In the lobby of the Mirage, there's this place called King Inc., and they uh, they filmed it and everything. They didn't air it, but they filmed it. That's I, cool. I knew I wanted that. Yeah. So. Um, tell me about the God thing. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you've, you've told me God wasn't necessarily in your life at this point. Tell me how that whole thing played well, out. Well, ever since I was a child, I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Mm -hmm. went to church all the time. Kind of was spoon-fed it. And in a way... It just kind of wore down, wore me down. Kind of didn't. It didn't mean anything anymore. It just kind. Of, I, I lost its. It lost its purpose. You know, mm. like if I was ever in a church, I wouldn't swear or get a. You know, do anything crazy. But mm. you know, I still had respect. But I just. It just didn't touch my heart. You know. Mm. I guess I didn't believe anymore or yeah. something. And Juliana and I both had that feeling. We were just kind of lost in a way. And then when Juliana got into her accident. Um, the doctors were saying she, you know, she wasn't going to make it, that she wasn't even moving, and uh, 
you know, that you should say your goodbyes and things like that. And I was just, I couldn't believe I was hearing this from a doctor. You know, I was just, I couldn't believe it. And I kind of, like a, it's kind of like when a kid loses, you know, gets lost or scrapes their knee or gets hurt. The first thing you want to do is just call out to your parents, you know. And I got so scared and I was so overwhelmed. The gravity of this situation was so huge that instinctively I fell down on my knees and I reached out to my parent and I just prayed. And I said, please just let her wake up. Please let her move. Yeah. And um, she, uh, she started moving. I kind of put it on the back burner, didn't think of it too much. Was even still kind of skeptical then, like, might not have been anything, you know, might have been just some crazy coincidence. And then months later, she comes home, and I'm going to my job, working at Starbucks, being a caretaker, working at Starbucks, being a caretaker, and, you know, I made this latte, I'm handing it off, and I'm going, this is what I'm doing to take care of my fiancé. I'm making lattes. Mm, I'm like, I have have no idea what I'm going to do to take care of this person that I care about. So then again, I got scared. I felt the gravity of the situation. <clears throat> and I started praying. I'm just like instinctively, again, reaching out to a parent going, just help me. I need help. I get an email saying, you know, American Idol auditions are a week away. And Juliana's like, you should try out. And I was like, you know what? I'll try out. I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens. And since then, we've raised a little over $100,000 for her. It keeps getting better and better. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much. But, yeah. But um, I really do feel that my prayers were answered. It was, it's like he set up, he set these things up and gave me, let me have my own free will to make that decision to yeah. go, I'm going to try out. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell everybody about her story because maybe there's somebody out there that can help. And that and, was my original thought. And he's still doing it because I mean, he, he, you don't understand how music, the music industry works, but you may not have heard this song that he's getting ready to sing on uh, American radio. It's the number one song in other places in Europe because music travels around in different spheres. He's headed to Norway with his band this week uh, because this song is the number one song in Norway. And so all, all of a sudden, all these places, I don't even know where Norway is, all these places where... <laughs> All these, all these other opportunities are coming, and it doesn't necessarily come through the, the channels that we think, right? The blessing right. of God doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. You know, and in Norway, the number four artist is Jennifer Lopez. Sweet! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not exactly the order I would put them all in, but God bless <laughs> Norway. Um, what, give us one more thing. What, what would you say to married people uh, today? I guess I would say, before you say anything to anybody, make sure that it's in your heart that you want to say it, that you decide that you want to say it, and then when you do deliver that message to the person you are saying it to, say it with all your heart. And, you know, even if things don't quite work out the way you want, you could still fulfill it, even though there's a horrible chance, you know, that we might not get married, it doesn't mean that I still can't honor that promise that I made to her. Yeah. And... You know, I, I feel like I can. I feel like when you make a promise, you should. Does that mean it's going to be easy? I wish with all my heart that I could say that. As your dad, I wish I could stand before you and tell you that everything in your life is going to be fantastic. But I can't lie to you. There will be storms. There's nothing you or I can do about it. If I could, believe me that I would. 
That's why this commitment today is so important. That's why you need this foundation. Jesus said, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like the man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall. Everyone who hears these words of mine, however, and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. The rains came, the floods and the wind blew and beat the house. We have a fresh illustration of that this week from Missouri. Denise and I met in Joplin, Missouri. It's we were both born not far from there. It was a special city for our parents. They both uh, met there and uh, it was a very special place for us. And we have a stark reminder that storms are going to come along the way. But the promise from Jesus is that the house that's built on the rock will not fall. That means that it's more about just making a commitment today. It's about making this commitment every day. It's about waking up every morning and saying, today our house is built on this rock. As I sat and wrote those words, I was reminded of one of the many dialogues that you two had via Internet when Rachel was trying to help you to understand who this Jesus was and why he was worthy of a foundation. It was at the beginning of your decisions to follow Christ, Ash, and you wrote this to Rachel, your friend at the time. You wrote... Rachel, when I met you, I could have and had in the past given you hours of justification for why I I hated religion. I could have reeled off a list and I put some religious fanatics in their places. And had you come at me and challenged why I hate religion, why I pity people who believe in God and Jesus and the resurrection, I would have put you in your place. And no offense, but I probably would have come away looking pretty smug for all my excellent arguments and rational victories of logic. And that's probably true, isn't it? (laughs) But you didn't do that. Well, the best analogy, Ash wrote, I can think of is kind of biblical, but I'm going to risk it. It's like I spent years building all these foundations to stand on and people would come and say, hey, your foundations are looking pretty rubbish. And I'd start throwing stuff at them and tell them to bugger off. They were, after all, standing in the mud. And then you, Rachel, walk up and instead of pointing fun at my rubbish foundations, you just walked over and stood on a rock. And I'm looking over thinking, hang on. She's not saying it, but that rock required no building at all, and it looks a lot sturdier than the foundations that I built. And you haven't got to tell me because I can see the damn rock. Today, Rachel and Ash, you can see the rock. You can feel the rock. You are building your marriage on this rock, and it will not fail. That's the decision that you have to make. It is a decision. It's a covenant. It's till death do us part. It doesn't mean that uh, you're not, if there's abuse, you shouldn't get out. Yes, you should. I mean, it doesn't mean a lot of other things, but you know what? What it means is for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health till death do us part. The Hebrew word for the covenant is chesed. I want you to say that with me. You have to kind of roll the back of your throat a little bit. Chesed. Okay. Now wipe the spit off the person in front of you and let me explain it for just a little bit. Okay. Chesed means that I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. It's exactly what Chris just said. It's exactly what Chris just sang. Okay. So my question for you married people is you stood before God and said till death do his part. My question for you is, do you mean it? Will you continue to chesed? That's the question. Last night, we had so many crazy things going on. Last night, after the service, we had somebody, get a couple get married in the baptistry. 
They wanted to get baptized and they wanted to get married. Here's their picture. Well, Daryl uh, and, and, and Amy got married and that's his daughter. They got married in the baptistry. They got married and then they got baptized right at the same time because they wanted to make a covenant to each other and a covenant to God at the same time. It was awesome. So, so you probably noticed by now because I've been waving my arms around and wearing short sleeves that I have a tattoo. I don't know if you noticed it. It's hard to find it on my massive arm, but it's, it's right there. You know what this tattoo is? This is the Hebrew word chesed for covenant. That's what it is. It's my new tattoo. I put it on there because it symbolizes the fact that I have a covenant to that woman down there. And guess what? You get one too. They're rub-ons. <laughs> Woo! So cool, huh? On the way out, on the way out of the building, not just here, but on the way out of the building, we've got a bunch of these. We want to give one to you, okay? And if you want to recommit yourself to your spouse, you can put one of these on. Put it on your arm. Put it on someplace obvious. If you want to put it someplace discreet, please wait until you get home and... <laughs> And put it on, okay? And what you can say, when I look down at that, you know, when I go to graduation parties this afternoon, I look down at my arm, I can remember chesed. I can remember the covenant that I have made to my wife. I can remember that that I made these vows. And uh, for those of you that want to, again, after we have communion right now, we're going to do a vow renewal. It won't take three minutes, I promise. It's not going to be a long thing. But if you want to do that after communion, we're going to come forward and do it. So we're going to have communion. And I just briefly read this one scripture about Jesus when he instituted communion in the first place. It says he took the cup, Matthew 26, and he gave thanks and he offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. That means us. What is it? This is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the chesed. This is the blood of the Hesed that God poured out, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. This is the covenant that God made to Abraham way back in the very beginning. And God has made it to us. And through Jesus, he made it to us. And what's that covenant? I take a grenade for ya. <laughs> Except it wasn't a grenade. It was the cross. It really was the same thing. It was Jesus saying, I'm going to die for you, and I know you're not going to do the same thing back. I know you can't do the same thing back. I know you're not worthy. I'm going to love you with a covenant love so that you can go out and love each other with a covenant love. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not based on the old covenant of following the law and doing all the right things. It's based on the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant that is completely based in grace, not works. Because we'd boast if it was works, it's grace. It's no one is worthy, but everyone can come to the cross. And as we celebrate communion right now, we ask that you'd be with us as we receive these emblems, as we receive these sacraments, and we remember your perfect sacrifice for us, that we will take that, that has said, and we will take it and give it to the people in our own lives, especially the person that shares our bed, the per- person that shares our home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.